Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. I'm going to begin a new series today on a subject I just call Finishing Strong. The reason I chose that title is because a few of my closest friends around the world, when we text each other, we're all in the ministry, always close whatever we were talking about. Uh, let's finish strong, bro. Love you. And that's how they sign off, how we sign off together. And the reason we say let's finish strong together is because we've seen so many drop out, gone, finished, quit. It's not that they had a failure. You can have a failure and get back up and run. In fact, I've got videos that I didn't show today of people who fell down in a race and got back up at the end and ran all the way to the front and beat everybody after a major fall. You can come back, but most people just go away. They don't come back. They quit. They drop out. And God's trying to challenge us. Hey, let's not just get in the race and follow Jesus. Let's, let's finish this thing and let's do it strong. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. The apostle Paul writes, remember that in a race, everybody runs, but only one gets the prize. So you also must run in such a way that you might win. By the way, winning is Bible. Not, well, I'm getting by. How you doing? Well, okay. That's like kissing your sister. No, no. He said, I want you to run to win. Would you want your cancer doctor to say, well, I took out most of it, but I didn't want to be too ambitious and get it all. No, I want the sucker to win. Kill it. Get it all, right? Sure you do. And it's funny, we come to church and settle for mediocre, okay, get by, bump along, and average. When God says, I want you to achieve. Being ambitious is godly. That's part of your DNA. Selfish ambition was the only criticism by Scripture. Be ambitious. Be more than me to your children. You can do more. You can go higher. You can become more. But you can't drop out and become all that God made you to be. So it's right to want to achieve and do well. If I sold houses, I'd want to be the number one salesman in this city. I'd want to be. I might not ever be, but I'd want to be and be ambitious for it. And I would try to sharpen my skill so I could achieve that. Tell me what's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. And so he says, I want you to run to win. He says, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that's going to rust and fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Paul says, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says, every one of us is in a race. And that race began the day you accepted Christ. And you're in this race for the rest of your life. So he says, since we're in a race, let's run to win. Not just to finish, 
or to get in it, but to obtain the prize. Vince Lombardi, who was coach of the Green Bay Packers and Super Bowl winner, very famous guy, said, if winning isn't important, why do they keep score? Now, in our culture, everybody gets a trophy for participation. Gag me. Those kids are going to be so warped up when they get out in real life, there ain't no trophy for last. There's no trophy for, I got in the race. No, no, you don't get a trophy if you don't win. And so, participation. Who came up with that? Losers. <laughs> we want everybody to get a trophy. Yeah, the nice. Well, that thought alone is probably foreign to 80% of Christians in the world. Most believers think they're simply to pray that they make it to the end. But Paul did not say pray that you finish. He says pray that you finish well. Pray that you win the prize. Don't just go out to run, run to win. But then he gives a caution. I got to be careful lest I myself should become disqualified. So Paul says that while you're running this race, there are cautions to be aware of. Because if you aren't, you could end up not even finishing the race, just quitting, dropping out. Now, I don't want any of us to just start the race strong. I want all of us to finish strong to go the distance. Think about the race that we are in as believers. First, it lasts a lifetime. You don't just run it for a week or a day or several hours. You run it for your entire life. Second, we don't know when it will end. We know it will end, but we don't know when it will end. So none of us has a clue when our lives will end. So you have to get up and run with the same freshness you ran yesterday. I don't have a promise of tomorrow. I better give it my best today. And third, we don't know when it's going to end, but we can see the finish, which is Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What are you dragging holding you back? Your golf game? Some other pursuit that's draining you? And it's not wrong. Paul says this one is just something to hold you back. Uh, in aviation, they use flush rivets so you can run your hand across the wing or the fuselage and not feel bumps because those create drag and slow your airspeed. So you don't want that. You want to go, Shoo. I flew twice the British Concorde, which was Mach 2, and would fly at 60,000 feet. And it was skinny. It was slim. You couldn't get the Walton family on there. You couldn't take roller bags you put your mother-in-law in that you see on Southwest and uh, United and everybody else. You couldn't get on with that. And it's very narrow. It had like 104 seats, one aisle, and it was, it was skinny. And I was telling a guy griping, they don't have overhead bins because you can't carry stuff on there. You have to check it. Why is it so skinny and tight? Because it's going to go twice the speed of sound. You're not a box. You're an arrow. That little thing has to go through the air with the minimal drag. And to go that fast, he had to be skinny and sleek. 
Yeah, okay. 1,435 miles an hour, twice the speed of sound, 25 miles a minute, and you don't want drag, right? So you, don't, you get rid, he says, of anything dragging you, slowing you down. Could be a lousy boyfriend. Dump him. Yeah, could be a relationship that's always negative, never, never anything but critical, or always wants to do what is least required. Get rid of anything slowing you down. Bad attitude, slow me down. It hinders your progress, he says. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. He said, lay aside every weight, lay aside every sin. And we do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Let me tell you something. My eyes are not on any famous celebrity in Christianity because they fail all the time. My eyes are not on anybody in Summit. My eyes are on Jesus and run in my race, in my lane. People will let you down. People will fail. And as a result, I've always been shocked how many people would quit a ministry because that person who led it failed or had some scandal. Well, your eyes were obviously on the wrong thing. My eyes are not on that. I'm in this race because I got saved. Jesus was merciful to me. He gave me a purpose. He gave me a calling. And I'm in that sucker to finish. I'm not in it because Mr. Purdy Boy over here is in it. I'm not in it because some other glamour person who is an entertainer is in it. I'm in it because Jesus put me in it. If you get out of it, that's your problem, not mine. I'm not leaving my race because you did. That's, that's important. All right, well, the race you and I are in, we're in because Jesus started us in this race, and it's a race that's set before us. So you've been set in this race. Now, you might want to say, well, Rick, I don't want to be in the race. But if you follow Jesus, you're in it. You know, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you entered a race, whether you knew it or not, and you're running this race for your life and all of your life. All runners will tell you it's really important to try to see the finish line. It gives them hope to get to the end. But as believers, we get to see the finish line. We, that's Jesus. We just don't know when we're going to get there. Could be this year for some of you. Could be many years for some of us. Notice I put us in there because I want to be in that crowd. When you run a 100-yard dash, a sprint, there's not a lot that can happen to you in 10 seconds. But when you run a 26-mile marathon, there's a ton of things that can happen that can hinder you from finishing your race. And folks, when you're running a race for a lifetime, there's all kinds of things that can occur that will cause you not to finish strong and not to go the distance. You could be offended. You could be betrayed. You could have somebody treat you unfairly in business. You could have a spouse cut out on you. You could have any, I remember once, several years ago, uh, we had a couple, been in church five years, older couple, they came from very religious background. They were very faithful, never missed anything, great givers, and in one service, I said something. I said one word, in the context of what I was talking about, I can't tell you what the word is, but it would be in the, the theme of nagging, and it would start with a B, but I won't tell you what the word was. It wasn't profanity, and it might have been a bit crude. Well, because I said that one word one time in only one service, they left the church. And I thought, are you kidding me? 
Doesn't the Bible say, if your brother offends you, go to your brother alone? They could have come to me after service and said, Rick, that was uncouth. That was very, very rude. I'm offended by that. I don't think you should say it. And I said, well, in retrospect, you're right. I apologize deeply. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Now, we'd have both been good. But just drop out of the race because you got to fit. Well, you won't stay married. Hello. You won't stay in a career. You won't stay in a calling. The weakest people in the world seem to gravitate to church. And I don't get it. You got to be tough. This is a war we're in. Endure hardness as a good soldier. So you got offended. I get offended all the time. If you're married, it goes on every week. You get offended. If you have children, you get offended. If you work with business associates, you get offended. Jesus said, in this world, you will have offenses. Don't fall for the trap. Don't let somebody did you wrong take you out of church, take you out of the race. And that's what happens to a lot of people. So many believers start well, but they don't end well. How you finish the race is a lot more important than how you start the race. Nobody cares who lined up first. Most observers don't even remember who was lined up first. They only remember who finished that race, who won that race. So it doesn't matter how well you start, because you can start well, but if you don't finish, nobody cares, right? And conversely, you can have a lousy start, but if you finish well, that's what everybody will remember. In almost 40 years of ministry at this church, I've seen all kinds of believers start well, but they didn't finish well. A good start, but a poor finish. Had a, had a, a very wealthy person who was a, a, a wonderful close friend, uh, got a divorce, and got sued by a business partner, and never came back to church again. They dropped out, just lost the gas for it. Not much purpose in that. Cindy's not going to let me take her out of the race. I'm not going to let her take me out of the race. And I'm sure not going to let you take me out of the race. And we've seen people come and go over 38 years in this church from our little humble beginnings. We've seen them come, go. They're talented. They're prophetic. They had words. They were smarter. They were more spiritual. They're gone. I I feel like singing Elton John's song. I'm still standing It's who's standing that counts, baby. It ain't who was in the race. It's who is in the race. And I want you to stay in the race. So how you start is not nearly as important as how you finish. So I want everybody here, my heart's desire would be finish well. I've read that only one out of 10 finish and go the distance. One out of 10. That's alarming. Some time ago, I mentioned three names uh, several months ago in a message of outstanding young preachers. Remember Chuck Templeton, Byron Clifford, and Billy Graham. They all started in 1945, but almost nobody has ever heard of Bron Clifford or Chuck Templeton, and they were the best of the best. Not Billy, these guys. They packed auditoriums. They preached to thousands. They were the golden child of ministry for Youth for Christ but they destroyed their lives and they died unwept, unhonored, and unsung. In 1945, three young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching the gospel to thousands across the nation. And within 10 years, only one, Billy Graham, was still on track for Christ. And he finished strong. 
Folks, in the Christian life, it's not how you start. It's how you finish that counts. It's going the distance. Now, you may be thinking, Rick, that's an interesting story, but it doesn't really relate to me because I'm not in full-time ministry. Well, I'm sorry, Elmer, to rock your boat, but if you are a believer in Jesus and you're seriously following Jesus, you are in ministry full-time. Are you a parent? Are you a spouse? Do you, do you have children? You, you may not get a paycheck from a church each week, but if you're a truck driver, a CEO, a golf or tennis pro, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then ultimately you work for him. He bought you with his blood. I'm his no matter what my career might be. The enemy just doesn't want people to realize it. I'm a Christian 365 days a year. You're not a part-time servant. You're not a part-time believer. Jesus said in Matthew 5, hey, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. He didn't say you're part-time light, part-time salt. If you're a believer in Jesus, you got a family to minister to, friends to minister to, co-workers to minister to, children to minister to, and a world around you to minister to. We're all in the ministry. We just don't know on what day we may be called to express the kingdom of God to someone in need. But we're on, we're on duty all the time. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 says, God has committed unto us all the ministry of reconciliation. So whether I'm a fullback for a NFL team or I'm one of the linebackers and I'm making $60 million a year, I am representing the kingdom of God on that football field with people that are troubled, people that are addicted to drugs, people having marriage problems, people having relational problems. Hey, I'm going to play well as a star player on that team, but my kingdom ministry is trying to reconcile those people to my Jesus who can help them, who has a word for them, who can pray for them. And that's expressing. The Bible says, you're my ambassador. Jesus said, you are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador represents the country or the kingdom from which he's been sent in another country. Well, we're in another country here called the world, and we're ambassadors for Christ in this world. You've been commissioned to represent his kingdom well. Good thought. See, what happened to Templeton and Clifford can happen to any of us. It happens all the time. Christians start well, but they don't go the distance. And the fallout rate is staggering. I can think of names that used to be household on TV, magazines, conferences. Today, they're never mentioned, totally ignored. And my prayer to God is for all of us, Lord, don't let that happen to us. And don't let it happen to anybody in our church. And it's a choice you make. It doesn't have to happen. Well, you don't know what happened to me. I don't care. Get up. We've all been hurt, betrayed, offended, knocked down, rejected, mistreated. Everybody. Right? Everybody can sing somebody done me wrong song. Everybody. Well, the difference in the winner and losers, one just kept running. Kept running. Did it hurt? Heck yeah. Did you feel mad? Yes. You still a little bit angry? You bet I am. But I'm not getting out of my race. I want to finish this thing well. I don't want to just start the race well. I want to go the distance. I want to run the race to the end. I want to cross the finish line and have Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, well, you're done. 
So let me ask you, what makes you think you'll go the distance and finish well? And why would I ask such a question? Because the odds are against you. There are more that don't than those who do finish. See, the man or woman who finishes well has become the exception rather than the norm. So going the distance is not impossible. It's just highly improbable for most people. So if you're going to go the distance and finish well, you and I are going to have to start doing some things that will ensure we finish well. Now, that means it's going to take some tough choices. That means there'll be some pain in it in order to have a strong finishing kick when you cross the tape and God calls you home. See? And you're going to have to start making those choices now, not two weeks before you die. Right now. It's the rare man or woman who finishes well. It's the exceptional person who finishes strong. It's the teachable person who finishes strong. So, what exceptional measures are you taking in your life to ensure you're going to be the one out of 10 to go the distance? Anybody ever remember, or this is a better one, anybody know anybody that's ever named their child Shamua, Shapat, Igal, Paltai, Gadiel? Amieliel, Zethur, Hi, Nahabi, or Jivel. I don't think so. I've never heard that. Never heard anybody name their daughter Jezebel either. Never heard that. But did you know the names I just spit out to you are in the Bible? But they're only mentioned once. Never again. Do you know anybody named Joshua or Caleb? I know several. Isn't that amazing? Because all these 12 names appear in the same list in the Bible in Numbers chapter 13. And in Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men so they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. All 12 of these men were leaders who started well. Their tribes looked up to them. They were visible. They were well-known, well-respected. And then they were sent into the promised land, and then they returned to give a report to Moses. Ten of the 12 had a greater fear of man than they did of God. And this was after they had seen these mind-blowing miracles God had performed in front of them in Egypt. These 10 men had seen the plagues that never came on them. They had seen God open the Red Sea. How's that for your day? And close it on Pharaoh's army. Not an average, oh, I feel better after you prayed for me. I had a bad head go. No, I just watched the whole freaking army get swallowed up out there. Whoa. Then the guys who had seen God work time and time again on their behalf freaked out because the land contained some very powerful people and fortified cities. Let, let me, I see, hear this every once in a while. Well, if I could just see a real miracle, if I could see a bona fide, these people saw 10, yeah. huge. And they ran away, dropped out of the race and never heard of again. Yeah. So that just isn't true at all. E. Stanley Jones wrote one day, fear is the sand in the machinery of life. Yeah, 
and it brought these 10 leaders to a lurching, staggering halt. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, out of the 12, made it into the promised land. 10 leaders had a great start, great guys, and they didn't finish. And they delayed Israel's entrance into the promised land for 40 years. You can get with the wrong people and really mess up your destiny and take a long time to get there. So if you're dating somebody, look them over real good. That could really be a hindrance to your future or your destiny because nobody gets better longer. Sorry, girls. They don't get better longer. If they ain't cutting it now, it'll get worse later. My grandfather used to say, bad never gets better longer. It gets worse. You say, well, that's just an old saying. Well, let's try Ecclesiastes. Because sentence against an evil work is not quickly executed. The heart of men is set to do more evil. If you don't take immediate action quick, it's going to be bad later. It's going to get a lot worse. So whatever you're wrestling with right now, hang on, buttercup. It'll get worse. It won't get better. So maybe you ought to do what Paul says, lay aside some weights, right? And, and get real sober-minded. So an entire generation perished in the desert of Sinai because these guys got sand in their gears. Only Joshua and Caleb had taken the time to develop their spiritual character and moral character so they had the faith and endurance to trust God when the chips were down. Anybody can praise God. Hallelujah. You got money in the bank. The doctor says, can't find anything wrong with you. You're looking good. Uh, Your kids, they're passing. They're doing good in school. That's great. Never had to go meet with a teacher. Oh, that's great. Your job's going well. Everything's good. Everything's coming up roses. Oh, I can lift my hand and say, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I don't know who you are until all hell hits the fan. Now I find out what you didn't know was in you comes out, which is why God allows us to go through different tests. It's important. It's important that I know what's inside of me because I can be deceived. I can think I got it going for me with God. And then when the chips are down, I find out how many people freak out, drop out and pass out because they didn't have it inside. They just had a memory of it but the test will tell you what you're really made out of, which is why it's important. And I hate tests. Come on. Anybody in here say, oh, the teacher says we got a pop quiz today. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh my God. No, 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 no. Can't believe they did this to me. Oh, I should have read that chapter last night. They didn't do it. See, when push came to shove, two out of 12, only two out of 12 had what it takes to go the distance. And the difference was on the inside, not the outside. See, it's endurance that separates the men from the boys. It's endurance that separates quitters from the winners. It's endurance that's the fruit of godly character. Endurance is the ability to press on when you don't want to. And that happens to everybody all the time, multiple times. But nobody knows it watching you because it's on the inside. See, the Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. It is a marathon. It's grueling. It's a long race. And long races don't require speed. They require grit, determination, and finishing power. Grit, G-R-I-T, 
in an acronym would be guts, resilience, the ability to snap back, industriousness, you can figure out something, uh, different alternative ways, and tenacity. You just won't stop. You're tenacious. That's called grit. All successful people, sports, media, entertainment, have all had major setbacks, had one common ingredient, grit. Do you? Do you have grit? See, some of you may think it's too late. Too late for me, Rick, to finish strong. I'm too old, too much baggage in the past. Maybe you've been through a divorce and it was pretty much your fault. Maybe you got involved in some affair and violated your vows to your mate, maybe to God. Or maybe you've made some serious ethical choices in business or in life, maybe some serious moral choices that have cost you credibility with your family, your friends, and associates. But listen to this. It's never too late to begin to do what's right. It is, if you're breathing, it's not too late. If you're breathing, it's never too late to confess your sin to the Lord in genuine repentance and receive his forgiveness. He won't abandon you. Finishing strong doesn't mean finishing unscratched, unblemished, never had a failure. Finishing strong doesn't mean finishing perfect because that's impossible. Some who finished strong in the Bible were previously involved in sexual immorality, like David. Some who finished strong waited until late in life to surrender their life to Jesus. Some who finished well were considered at their midlife to be utter failures. Some who finished well overcame personal failure, major setbacks by embracing the grace of God. Thank God for His grace. You can recover. You can get back in the race. You can say, if it was my fault, I take responsibility. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, and get right back in the race. Or maybe somebody else offended you, hurt you, betrayed you, treated you unjustly in some way. You've got to shake that off. Forgive them, because that's what you do for yourself. And you, get, you don't forget them, but you forgive them. And you get back in the race. I'm not going to drop out of life, suck my thumb, get me a cardboard sign so you'll give me drug money because somebody hurt me. Yeah. We'd all be down there at North Star Mall with a card. <laughs> this is too hard, folks. Come on. No. See, too many are doing just enough to get by. Minimum daily requirements. Too many of us are ready to bail out, get me out of this race at the first twinge of a side ache. So let me ask you, is your marriage on rough water right now? Give you some advice, because we've seen lots of them. Don't quit. And I've talked to psychologists who said, Rick, the people who made it in marriage had the same problems as those who divorced. They, the ones who divorced weren't willing to work it out. Now, I'm not talking about somebody has physical violence or something, but I'm just talking about the normal relationships people divorce for. He says that can be worked out. Change can occur. That marriage can be saved. It's worth fighting for. Don't you quit. Or is that coworker craving more of your attention, starting to look more and more attractive? Don't even think about it. Have you gone so long without apparently saying, maybe seeing God say yes to some of your prayers, you're tempted to give up in prayer on this Christian thing. That would be a serious mistake. Remember, all prayers don't get answered the day you pray. Now, it might happen, but in the Bible, generally, it's not like instant. 
It could be. Peter prayed a good one. Lord, save me. Is he about to sink? Jesus saved him. That was a quick one. But that wasn't the norm, not, not normally. Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed for nearly a month and got no answer. And then when Michael, the archangel, came, he said, sorry about that, Dan. God heard your prayer the day you prayed it. He sent an angel to bring the answer, but he was held up by a stronger authority, a principality of Persia. And God had to send the, the battle angel, Michael, to knock him down so I could come to you and give you the answer. So your prayer is heard the moment you pray it. But don't forget, there's a war around us. Angels of God and the fallen angels and demonic spirits that are set against us by Satan. Stay with it. Stay with it. You, you, Bible says you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you can obtain the reward. We give up too quick. We live in America. If it's not on my table in 15 minutes, lunch is free. That is not the kingdom. There's no quick fix there. Remember, God's trying to make you tough. And whatever you're going through right now that may be tough is going to toughen you up for the next test, which will be stronger. And you got to be, you got to be in shape. You got to be strong. I, I, I face things probably every month in, in this kind of business, and I can say to myself, or I could say to Ashley or some of the younger ones on staff, oh, I've been to that rodeo before. I got a couple of t-shirts. Here's, here's how you handle that. Doesn't even upset me. Why? I've got experience in the ring. I've been in that match before. I've already been to that fight. Know how it's going to go down. But it's a little scary the first time. So God's got to get you battle-tested so you don't freak out every time somebody says boo. So the enemy always wants us to think the easy way is the best way, but it never is. I, I think it's the Navy SEALs that have this state saying the only easy day was yesterday. There's nothing easy. Anything worth having is not going to be easy. You're going to have to fight for good health. What a battle. I'm like a drug cartel when I pass a carbohydrate. <laughs> Cookie. Oh, oh, Cindy, you make that for the staff? Oh, my gosh. Put my finger on it. Well, yeah, let me get you a piece of that. It's a battle. I mean, I could just put my face in it and <laughs> suck it up. And, and I don't want to go up and work out in the gym. I don't get up any morning and say, let's do it, baby. Let's go. Come on. Let's go work out. No, but I know it's good for me. And I know that discipline will pay off, as it already has, late in life. See, I can still pick up the grandkids. I can still pick up toys, still water ski, can still do a lot of things. But that's because the price paid to get there. You don't wait till you have the stroke and, and your cholesterol is off the chart to go in and say to one of our doctors, Dr. C. Dr. Yerrington over there, fix me. I got 20 minutes. Make me well. No, you, you start now, now, before that trial, see? So how do we finish strong? How are we able to go the distance? Well, you know, we don't finish well because we don't focus on the finish line because most people don't know where it is. We finish well, we go the distance by fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what he says. And we look at the 12 of Jesus, the disciples, all of them went the distance except one. And why didn't he finish strong? He never did submit his life to Jesus. He didn't have his eyes on Jesus. He kept his eyes on the money and the money bag. Even sold Jesus for money. That was his God, not Jesus. And he didn't finish well. The others weren't perfect. 
They even fell away for a short while under trial and testing, but they came back. Elbert Hubbard wrote, a failure is a person who's blundered and hasn't been able to cash in on the experience. So we're all going to blunder. Did you get smarter? Are you now able to discern that pitfall and it won't happen again? Then you cashed in on the experience. That's a good thing. See, the disciples blundered a lot, but they cashed in on the experience, got back on track, got back in the race, and each of them finished well. So today, this morning, I'm speaking to some of you who have never entered the race. You've heard God's call on your life and heart many times. You may have even contemplated giving your life to Jesus, but you've yet to respond. Well, this is your day. This is your time to make that life-changing commitment to Christ. And maybe others of you in here, you've been in the race many years, but now you're being tempted to quit running or you've already dropped out of the race because of some failure or setback or offense or something that's discouraged you. Paul said to the Galatian church, you were running a good race. What happened? Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? They got taken out of the race and he's begging them to get back in the race. There are so many reasons, so many excuses we can't think of that stop us or hinder us, but none of those excuses are valid. The only way to find forgiveness, joy, peace, satisfaction is to lay aside every weight and sins that easily beset me and return to the Lord and run with endurance the race set before us. So let me invite every one of you Fix your eyes on Jesus, no personality, on Jesus. Consider him who has endured so much for you so that as you run with him, you won't grow weary, you won't lose heart. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.